Welcome to episode 20 of the Bounty Museum podcast. I'm Michael, the Digital Engagement Curator, and in this edition we're going to get a little bit fruity. Throughout the pandemic, we have continued to deliver as many of our events virtually as we've been able to. It would be almost impossible to replicate these events in their entirety, but we hope they give a taste of what we would usually offer. One of the annual events we would normally bring to you in September is the Pear Day celebration at Cannon Hall. To try and fill the gap, we have brought together a day of activities and a look back at previous events. If you don't already, follow Cannon Hall Museum Park and Gardens on social media to follow all the activities we will be sharing on Saturday the 19th of September. There's a good chance that you're listening to this podcast after this date, so don't worry. To save you scrolling through our feeds, we have added all the links from the day to the description of the podcast. These include videos of our pear collection, jigsaws, recipes, as well as looking back on our exhibition this time last year, the botanical illustrations of pears and apples by Elizabeth Dowell. Which brings us on to the contents of this podcast, where Elizabeth will read an extract from her book. I've always been fascinated by crops and fruit, and after making contact with the acclaimed fruit expert and author Dr Joan Morgan, together we embarked on the Book of Apples, followed several years later by the Book of Pears. I designed the plates in a traditional botanical style, but tried to depict them in a contemporary and aesthetically pleasing way. It was quite a challenge to portray the fruits in the way that I wanted, at the picking stage as well as at the eating stage, and also show the blossom and a cut section of the fruit. In effect, this shows the whole cycle of each variety and a design that's rarely been achieved in paintings published in previous Pomonas, which generally feature only ripe fruit. Pears and apples change colour after picking and as they ripen. Pears in particular become more vibrant with stronger hues as backgrounds lighten and flushes brighten. I wanted to capture this and paint them as they were on the tree when harvested and when they were ready to eat, so as to emphasise the change of colour. With the early season pears, the difference in colour is less significant, generally greenish-yellow, turning to a buttery primrose. But among the later ripening pears, it's much more striking. Throughout the storage period, it was necessary to keep a very close eye on the pears, so as to depict them not over or underripe, but at their peak of perfection. I learnt when the point... Ah, sorry. I learnt when this point had been reached by touching the pears, which soften slightly round the stalk when they're ripe, and also by the distinctive smell of the ripe fruit. When I began this project, I had no idea there was such a diversity in the size, shape and colour of pears, mistakenly assuming most were of a similar shape and yellow. Some, like Volpina, are as small as a chestnut, while others, particularly the culinary varieties, are impressively large. The variation in colour is wide, ranging from crimson, vibrant red flushes to beautiful ochre tones of russet and gold, and the soft yellows more commonly associated with pears. The subtle and complicated hues and textures of russet were particularly demanding to capture, some rough and cracked, others with a smooth silvery sheen. The flesh of some varieties can be tricky, as exposed to air it quickly becomes discoloured so once cut, I have to work fast to achieve an accurate tone. I attempt to quite literally get under the skin of these complex fruits through close observation and handling of the pears. The blossom too is varied, some small and neat, others large and floppy, 
and a few with a soft pink or almond tinge like the lovely petals of green beret. The way I construct each plate follows a pattern I've used for the Book of Apples and the Book of Pears and various other fruit paintings. The latest project is cherries, which having such a short season and shelf life are proving far more difficult, especially as they have a rather limited colour range, which is both subtle and dependent on the light reflected on the fruit. Joan provides me with typical samples gathered from the trees growing in the National Fruit Collection at Brogdale, Kent. We're both grateful for their invaluable cooperation in giving us access to the collection. Joan meticulously packs the blossom into plastic tubs and attaches each sprig with fine wire onto the inside of the container so that it doesn't move and the petals aren't damaged in the post. This method works well and they do arrive in perfect condition and allow me a couple of days to work on them before they start to fade. Keeping them in the fridge helps so that during the blossom season my fridge is full of little pots of flowers with not much room for food. Parcels of fruit begin to arrive in early August and go on through September to late October. I store the pears in a cool dark larder to ripen them, which can take just a week or so with the summer varieties, but a month or more with the winter ones. I do keep a very close eye on them since pears can go over very quickly once they ripen. For each painting I work within a two year time frame. I have the watercolour paper stretched onto boards with tape. This enables me to paint the fruit and blossom from life as it becomes available throughout the second year. It means that I can work on several plates at a time because they're all drawn out onto the stretch paper ready to paint. It also allows for the possibility of a late hard frost damaging the blossom which could result in little or no fruit in a particular year. Plants can easily be upset by the weather. Initially, as soon as I receive a small branch with the unripe fruit, I have to work very quickly in order to capture the character of each variety. Firstly, I make drawings and take accurate measurements. Ideally, to show the fruit growing on the branch, it would be better to work from the actual trees at Brogdale, but unfortunately I'm too far from the collection to allow this. So I photograph the material I've been given in as realistic a position as possible. When my drawings complete, I press the leaves for future reference. Accurately recording the exact colour of the leaves, wood, flesh and pips is vital. The colour of the fruit is recorded in two sessions, at the picking stage and later when they're ripened at their most beautiful. With all the information gathered, I design the plate. This can take up to three or four days until I'm reasonably content that I've captured the essence of the variety. Next, I make a final drawing in ink on tracing paper and transfer it carefully onto the stretched watercolour paper using a soft pencil. Any erasing can spoil the surface, so I have to be certain that I'm happy with the finished drawing. The actual painting process is very laborious and each plate can take up to two months to complete. Sometimes I can spend a whole day on a couple of leaves. With the Book of Pears, because I was commissioned for other projects as well, it took me almost 20 years to finish a total of 40 plates. Each painting involves great concentration and whereas in the past I might work for up to 10 hours non-stop, I now try to divide my working day between my artwork and gardening, which I find therapeutic and relaxing, and a good counterbalance to leaning over my drawing easel. Aching fingers and frequent migraines have been the result of painting in such a detailed and time-consuming style 
though my love and enthusiasm for the subject usually outweighs the negative aspects of such intense work. There's also a fair amount of tension involved with the constant possibility of making an irretrievable mistake. My love of coffee isn't really compatible with drawing and painting precise unwavering lines. I work with very fine sable brushes, ranging in size from 0 to 2, and by the best quality, because it's very difficult to get fine detail without a firm, well-shaped tip to them. Using the dry brush technique tends to wear them out quite quickly, so I use a new brush for each plate. My method of working is to begin with a light wash onto a damp surface and gradually build up layers of paint until I feel the colours are portrayed with enough depth to be accurate. The final layers of paint are put on with an almost dry brush. This allows for a crisper detail and saturation of colour, which is so essential for good quality printing. I tend not to paint in the conventional manner of mixing a limited number of colours. Instead, I have about 90 half pans in my paint boxes, mostly Winsor & Newton, May Mary and Schmincke artists' watercolours. For instance, I have 10 hues of yellow and 16 of green, and find having a wide range of pure pigments facilitates a more accurate and clear rendition of the true colour of the fruit. The paper I use is mainly Fabriano Artistico and Arche Satiné, both of which have a very smooth surface. I make sure that all my paints are non-fugitive, meaning they shouldn't fade with time, though it's never advisable to hang watercolour paintings in strong light. With each painting as I paint, I cover the unpainted areas with tissue paper to avoid marks or damage to the surface. Having dropped blobs of paint and water onto an almost finished painting in the past, this taught me a hard but valuable lesson. Watercolours are a difficult medium in that there's no room for error, which means any mistake usually means starting again from scratch. That's why I'm so careful with my initial drawing. If I mistakenly paint the shape of a pear or colour it incorrectly, there's no way to remedy this, especially as some watercolours are much more staining than others. Good even light is essential for achieving an exact representation of the true colour of the subject, and I work in a north-facing studio using only natural daylight which means during the winter my painting time is rather limited, whereas in the summer I'm able to paint into the evening. I find that painting in artificial light, even using good daylight bulbs, does distort the colour slightly, so for accuracy prefer not to do so unless under pressure to finish a commission. Once a plate's finished I tend to put it away and refrain from looking at it because it's quite easy to overwork it or start to find fault and become discouraged. I think I've learnt when I reach the point where it's sensible to stop. The most intimidating part is starting out with a blank sheet of paper, which is when I find any excuse to postpone those first brush strokes. But once I get started, I quickly become really absorbed in the work. The hesitation disappears, and before I know it, hours have gone by. The challenge in attempting to bring these beautiful fruits to life on paper has been quite arduous at times but also very rewarding and enjoyable, and defined my career as a botanical illustrator. I hope my efforts have done them justice and will perhaps encourage interest in the lesser-known varieties. The final bonus is that I get to sample the varied and delicate tastes and scents of the different pears and apples, which has resulted in discovering some delicious varieties which were previously unknown to me. My partnership with Joan has been fruitful, inspiring and rewarding, 
and I count myself lucky to have had the opportunity to work with someone as knowledgeable and enthusiastic as she is. Hopefully we'll continue to document and paint our wonderful fruit heritage for many years to come and leave a lasting record of some of the most beautiful varieties of fruit for generations to come. Thank you for listening to our podcast and a special thank you to Elizabeth Devil for that book reading. For lots more pear-related activities, follow Cannon Hall Museum Park and Gardens on social media. There's plenty of links in the podcast description too. And don't forget that Cannon Hall is now open. Visit our website, cannon-hall.com, for more information and current opening times.